Welcome, 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 everyone, to another episode of Wellbeing Wednesdays. I'm your host, Courtney Weaver, I'm also the director of WellWVU here at West Virginia University. Um, I'll buy my lonesome once again uh, today, but that's okay. Uh, so this week, it is not just homecoming week um, with the big home football game this, fr- this Saturday, but it is also the week leading up to Halloween. So there are lots of different activities that students could choose to engage themselves with. Um, So let's talk some strategies on keeping ourselves and our friends safe. So when it comes to big celebrations like this, a lot of times people think that the more that you do of something, the better, right? Um, And that's not true for for a lot of different things. So when we're talking about drinking alcohol, for example, there is actually something called the point of diminishing returns. And you might ask yourself, hmm, what does that mean? Uh, basically, what it means is that there's a point when you're drinking, um, which is actually a BAC of no higher than 0.06, uh, when the buzz will not get any better with more alcohol. And in fact, if you drink more alcohol at that point, it can lead to more of those negative feelings like fatigue. So uh, just keep that in mind if you're if you're choosing to go out and, and drink this weekend. Um, but then there, we're also going to go over some other strategies to keep yourself safe if that's what you're choosing to do. So our first tip for a safe and healthy uh, Halloween and homecoming weekend is to make a plan and stick to it. So that includes like a lot of different things. So that can include the number of drinks that you plan on having. So saying, all right, well, today, uh, tonight when we go out, three drinks and that's all I'm going to have, make sure that if you are making that plan, just stick to it. Um, and then another thing you want to make sure is that you want to plan on how you are going to get home. So is someone in your group going to remain sober and be the designated driver? Are you all going to use a rideshare um, app that will get you home? Are you going to use public transit like the bus or the PRT, even though the PRT doesn't run terribly late? Um, or, you know, are the places that you're going within walking distance? So you want to make sure that you have a plan to get safely home. Another part of your plan should be to stick with the the friends that you went out with. Um, So if you come to a party or a bar with your friend, make sure that you are also leaving with that friend. And that way you can keep an eye on each other as well and help them out if they get into any trouble. So a second party smart tip is to alternate alcohol and non-alcoholic beverages. So this can include, you know, the staple water. Uh, That's always important. Um, and if you are looking for, you know, a free bottle of water on Friday night, hey, you can stop by our hydration station that will be set up between 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. outside of, or across the street, really, from Borman Hall right on High Street. So if you're out and about downtown this weekend, make sure you stop by. Not only will we have free bottles of water, we'll also have free snacks for you. So one of the reasons you actually want to alternate alcohol and non-alcoholic beverages is you want to give your liver some time to process the alcohol that's in your system. Your liver can process one standard drink per hour, which is why it's so important to know standard drink size, uh, because that's how you can accurately calculate how many drinks that you've consumed. And then the other reason is that you also want to stay hydrated uh, because that's one of the reasons that you might feel so badly in the morning is because your body doesn't have enough water in it. So that's why water is such a great option when we say alternate alcohol and non-alcoholic beverages uh, because your body will thank you for drinking that water. 
So our third party smart tip would be to pace and space your drinks. And so basically what that means is it's a, it's always a good strategy to keep it to one drink per hour. Um, again, just because that's how your liver is able to process alcohol. Another great tip is to eat before and while drinking. Um, and now usually if you can, if you can eat something with protein in it, that's great because it takes your stomach a little while to digest protein. But really at the end of the day, some food in your stomach is going to be important. Uh, and if you're like, why? Well, it's because um, having food or in your stomach actually slows the absorption of alcohol. Alcohol is one of the very few substances that abs- is absorbed directly by your stomach lining. Um, and so it just makes it a little bit easier on your body if you have some food in your stomach. Hence why we give out snacks at the hydration station. So our next party smart tip is about avoiding drinking games. Uh, and so one of the reasons we, we say that is because drinking games are kind of designed um, and manipulated for someone to consume a large amount of alcohol in a short amount of time. Um, and actually, it's been shown that, you know, a lot of times when people are playing these games, they end up consuming way above their normal level of alcohol uh, when they're playing the games. Um, they're also generally fast paced, which again, leads people to drinking a large amount of alcohol in a short amount of time. Uh, and then they also tend to reinforce things like the peer pressure to drink heavily. Um, and also like glorifying folks who can hold their liquor and they just contribute to high risk behavior. Um, and they can lead to a really a lot of negative consequences, including a more extreme one like alcohol poisoning. Um, so we just want to encourage folks to maybe rethink whether or not they want to participate in a drinking game. So speaking of alcohol poisoning, one of the other things that it's important for folks to know is, are the signs of alcohol poisoning because someone who is experiencing that needs immediate medical attention. So if you suspect that someone has alcohol poisoning, you are going to want to call uh, for emergency medical help right away. So you're going to call 911. Um, and so the signs and symptoms can include things like confusion, um, unconsciousness, vomiting, especially while they are unconscious um, and not waking up. That is a huge problem. Someone might be experiencing seizures. Um, someone also might be experiencing slow breathing. And so slow breathing is like less than eight breaths a minute. Um, people might also be doing irregular breathing. So that means that there's a gap of more than 10 seconds between breaths. Some folks might have blue tinged skin or pale skin, uh, low body temperature, or what is also known as hypothermia. Um, and again, someone might be unconscious and they can't be awakened. Um, so if someone is experiencing any of those signs, remember, you're going to want to call 911. So in addition to calling 911, um, you'll want to make sure that you are staying with the person and you'll do this for a couple of reasons. Uh, so first, you want to be there when the medical emergency personnel arrive because you want to be able to give them as much information as you possibly can. Um, the second is that alcohol poisoning affects the way that the gag reflex works. Uh, and so someone with alcohol poisoning may choke on their own vomit and not be able to breathe. Um, and so that's also why it's important not to force anyone to vomit in the meantime while you're waiting for that help because they could choke. Uh, so what you can do is you can put folks into what's called the recovery position or the Bacchus maneuver. 
So the Bacchus maneuver is a little bit difficult for me to explain, um, but basically at the end of the day, what you want to do is you want to roll the person on their side to make sure that A, if they do vomit, then they don't choke on it, um, but also you want to make sure that they're maintaining an open airway. Um, so again, I'm going to put a link to what the recovery position slash Bacchus maneuver looks like in the description of this podcast so you can go and take a look. And so while you're waiting for help to arrive after you've put someone in the recovery position, you know, some are, some things that you should not do, you know, don't attempt to feed um, the person who could choke on their food. Don't give them any other medications um, because mixing drugs and alcohol will likely make um, the situation worse. Again, don't force the person to throw up. Um, don't walk the other person around in an attempt to like walk it off uh, because their physical coordination skills are already reduced and that can lead to fall or other like kind of accidental harm. Don't put the person in a cold shower. Um, that could lead to hypothermia. Remember, one of the signs of alcohol poisoning is a lower body temperature. And of course, do not let the person sleep it off. So you're going to want to remember, call 911 um, and wait with the person until help arrives. So if you are the bystander in this situation and you're nervous about, you know, calling for medical help uh, with someone who might be experiencing alcohol poisoning because you're afraid that, you know, you all will be getting in trouble. Just know that WVU does have what's called a medical amnesty policy. And for, this is right from um, WVU's website. So under the university's student code of conduct and the laws of West Virginia, bystanders and those affected by drug or alcohol overdose may be safe from prosecution and may not face charges under the campus student code of conduct if they seek medical assistance in, a, in an emergency. Um, so that means even if you or the person overdosing have committed a drug or alcohol violation, you may not be prosecuted for that violation if you report it during a medical emergency. Um, so that's really good to know um, because it's important that folks get the help that they need when they need it. And again, I'll also link um, to this particular webpage in the description of the podcast too because it's useful information to have. Uh, another new service that's here in Morgantown that I wanted to highlight today is actually the Hope Hill Sobering Center. And this is located at the old Ramada Inn, which is on 20 Scott Avenue uh, here in Morgantown. Uh, it's an it's a center that is open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And its mission is to enhance public health and safety by providing a supportive alternative where intoxicated adults can recover from the acute effects of alcohol or drugs and be connected to resources. So it's actually a short-term care facility that's designed to allow someone who's intoxicated and nonviolent to recover from the effects of alcohol and drugs. And the center is staffed by certified peer recovery support specialists. Uh, and they are trained um, to engage with guests and refer them to stabilization programs, treatment options, um, supportive community resources, and recovery residences as needed. Um, but basically, it's a safe space for intoxicated individuals to be cared for in lieu of being placed in jail or sent to an emergency room. So it's managed by a group called Ascension Recovery Services. Um, and a lot of local partners have contributed to the costs associated with the development and operation of the center. Of the center. Uh, and um, there's actually a referral and intake procedure if a guest does not fall within the exclusionary criteria. And the exclusionary criteria 
Um, we'll go over in just just a minute. Um, but the preference is to call the facility first uh, before transporting a potential guest, and that will ensure if a bed is available, if the potential guest is suitable, um, because they can discuss the exclusionary criteria with the referring agent, and then um, they can talk about the specifics of the incident. So the exclusionary criteria, basically like guests that fall within these criteria will not be suitable for um, using the sobering center. So individuals who are not currently under the influence of alcohol or other substances, um, folks who are experiencing a mental health crisis, that includes suicidal and homicidal ideation, that would qualify them for actual like mental health hospitalization. Um, Folks who are experiencing urgent medical symptoms that are, require continuous oversight and monitoring. Um, if someone's in a wheelchair, they must be able to self-transfer. Uh, folks can't have an IV, an NG tube, oxygen, or indwelling catheters. Um, no open or draining wounds. No active detox requiring medical oversight. Individuals complaining of chest pain or difficulty breathing. Um, and individuals with a known blood alcohol level greater than 0.3. And that's if known. Um, and so folks who use the center can be dropped off by uh, law enforcement, but they can also be dropped off by a peer. Um, they do ask that if you are a peer dropping off um, someone, that you stay with them until they go over um, not just the exclusionary criteria, but also their vitals, uh, because there are certain ranges that the vitals will need to be in. Um, and then if that guest is allowed to stay, then, then the person who's dropping them off can then uh, leave. So if you did drop someone off, you're staying with them, uh, and then the staff said, hey, this guest is unsuitable for the program, and you're not able to take them, take that person to the appropriate service, um, what's good is that the sobering staff, uh, sobering center staff will contact the necessary parties, um, including, but not limited to, you know, like the police or EMS or stuff like that. Um, so the intake process will be cut off at 5 a.m., so that's to ensure any potential guest has at least a few hours to stabilize and discharges can be planned. Um, so again, it closes at 8 a.m. So guess that's the time then guests will be discharged. What's cool is that the Mountain Line bus actually want, runs for free up to um, that center and it will take you uh, back around, I believe, to the Beechhurst PRT station. Um, so that's useful to know as well. So we have a lot of information about the sobering center, including um, like the vitals and all that kind of stuff that uh, folks need to fall into in order to be a guest at the sobering center on our website. So I'm going to make sure that that is also linked in the description of this podcast. And then another service that we want to highlight here uh, from WellWVU is that we have been able to provide fentanyl testing strips um, to the WVU community for the past couple months now, because I can't believe it's almost the end of October. Um, and so if you're interested in acquiring some of those fentanyl testing strips, it's very easy. There is no ordering process, nothing like that. We actually have um, pre-filled bags that can each contain three testing strips plus instructions. Um, and you can just pick up a bag outside of our office on Thursdays and Fridays of every week uh, between 9 and 4.30. So 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Um, if you're interested in picking up something outside of that time, you can always reach out to us directly. But I also know that some folks would prefer to remain anonymous. Um, and so we want to make sure that this is easy and painless. So feel free to stop by on a Thursday or Friday and grab one of the testing strip bags.
So WVU has also been working quite hard to expand the availability of Narcan on campus. So I know that Narcan is already available in several of the Greek houses. Um, and they're working hard to expand it into other residential facilities on campus. If you are interested in becoming uh, certified to um, administer Narcan, you can contact our office directly uh, because we do run several Narcan trainings throughout the semester and can set something up for you or your group. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for me this week. Uh, I hope you all have a safe and healthy and fun uh, homecoming and Halloween week slash weekend. And we will catch you next time on Wellbeing Wednesdays. Thank you for listening.